Well, again, I'll echo Melissa. I'm just so thankful that we had the opportunity just to be neighbors uh, with people in our community to to make sure they know that we see them as people who have worth and dignity and we weren't doing something for them but with them and so thank you for all of your help in making that happen uh, it really is a fun day and i know a lot of you helped in lots of different ways even if you just prayed maybe you weren't able to do anything else but i know you've been praying uh, for that uh, one of the fun things we got to do this week was we went shopping for the store um, and so this year we had you know, I don't remember what it was, seven or eight thousand dollars that we had to figure out how to spend. And that sounds great. But uh, Target, we had six overflowing carts of goods for for kids. And it was interesting because as I went on my own a couple of times and I would walk around with two carts, uh, people would say, man, you're going to have some happy kids. And, and it was interesting because I thought a couple of things. One, um, toys won't make my kids ultimately happy, but I didn't preach at them in that moment. But I, you know, I didn't want to use that. Uh, but uh, my, my thought was, uh, they think I'm buying all of this stuff uh, for just my kids. And I had to tell them what it was about. And, and it gave me an opportunity to share about the affordable store. But man, there is something about gifts at this time of year, right? I mean, we can't deny that. Christmas, there, there's something about giving gifts and getting gifts. All you got to do is look at Black Friday videos. There's something about getting more and stuff, right? We, we know that. We, we sense that. And there's nothing wrong with gifts. There's really not. I remember as a kid, uh, gifts were pretty much what Christmas was about. I can remember finding where my parents hid presents and looking for those. Sorry, mom, I know you're going to watch this. Um, but I would go and I would try and find gifts that my, my family had got me. And then on Christmas Eve, I don't know if anyone else has this tradition. Anyone open one present, present on Christmas Eve? Some people? Uh, I remember one year we talked my parents into opening all of our presents on Christmas Eve, which as a kid, that sounded like a great idea until you wake up the next morning and you have nothing to open, right? But, but Christmas is about gifts in a way for us. That's really what we think about. But in this season of Advent over the next couple of weeks, we're going to spend a little time looking at the, the gift that is given to us. Uh, and this idea of this present and it being God's presence in our, in our life. So you may not know this or understand this. Maybe you need to be reminded of this. But the presence of God is what changes everything. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is his presence that does something in our life. And so we're going to pay attention to that. And what does it matter why does it matter that this baby was born, you know, a couple thousand years ago? What, what does it matter? What, what gift do we get from that? That God would enter into our world as a baby into a poor family to a single unwed mother. What, what does that matter? That God comes in the flesh. What does that do for us? See, before this moment, I'm going to do something here real quick. Before this moment, when the prophets in the Old Testament, when they would want to speak to God, they would speak to God and then they would get a sense of God speaking. And so they would hear the voice of God. So Jeremiah 1 says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So you have this prophet who would hear from God, but there was no physical presence of God near to them. They had this idea, and so then Jeremiah would respond, oh, sovereign Lord, I, I hear you. I, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a, a child. And, and it says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for, and this will be on the screen, 
I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Which that's hopeful. And you get the sense that God is near to these people as he speaks, but there was just, there was no physical presence. And then everything in one night changes. Everything changes as God enters into our world. Uh, Matthew 1.23 says this. It says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't know if you've ever looked up the meaning of your name, um, or if your parents intended to name you something because of the meaning of it. Uh, we didn't, but we kind of looked at it later. My daughter, Kennedy, means helmeted chief. It kind of sounds like, yeah, helmeted chief. Um, and then Cademan, my boy, means wise warrior, Right? Those are great meanings of, of names. But for this Emmanuel, like the depth of what that means, the, the meaning of Emmanuel, that God is with us, that God is no longer out there, but he is here, right? So he is born and he takes this physical presence in the midst of his creation with his people. Like th this, this changes everything. Eugene Peterson, who unfortunately just passed away, he wrote the paraphrase called the, the message. He says it like this, that God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So God's unknowable power, his love becomes tangible. They are seen and they are known. And this is a great gift. As great as this gift is, and we know this during this Christmas season, Christmas is tough. Christmas is hard. I feel like I experience more people talking about their loneliness and hopelessness, this anxiety that kicks in thinking about family visits, of seeing family, cousins, seeing brothers, parents who maybe there's been a tension with them and you've got to get together, right? There's this anxiety that comes along with that. There's the work holiday parties and then the pressure to feel like you have to get the right presence for everyone. And so as great as God's presence is in our life, and we know that during Christmas, Christmas is hard. However, the, the goal over these next few weeks is that we could be reminded or catch a glimpse, maybe for the first time, how important it is that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. On Friday, uh, my daughter, who is 13, we asked some friends to take her home after school. I, I was somewhere in the city, and my wife was getting stuff for the affordable store, and so some friends took my daughter home, and in our house, we have a kind of a U-shaped drive, and so they drove into the drive, and they realized that a white work truck had followed them into the driveway. And so uh, the, the mom and my daughter and her little friend, they, they parked in front of our house. And the mom says, do you want me to go find out who this, who this is? Kennedy's like, yeah, that would, be, that would be good. And so the mom gets out and asks this man, you know, who are you? What are you here for? And he said, oh, I've been here before. And then the mom leaves and my daughter walks into our house. And she locks the door. And she runs up to the bathroom and she locks the door and she calls my wife, right? She's just in fear, just afraid. And so I find out this is going on. I'm 40 minutes away. And so I immediately FaceTime my, my daughter, right? And so she's in the bathroom and I'm talking to Kennedy and I can just get this sense of this fear that's going on, right? And she, it's because she's alone. 
And even though it felt really good to be able to FaceTime with her, she said, mommy's coming up the drive. And then Kennedy runs down the steps and she's still on FaceTime. And she, in, she walks out and, and Heather just engulfs her, right? And just hugs her. And then on FaceTime, my wife is crying and Kennedy is just like, weeping but everything changed in that moment like the fear and the worry and the stress it's not that it went away but something happened because she was in the presence of someone she felt safe with and knew she would be okay facetime was great i was out there somewhere but to be in the presence of heather and to know that she was okay changed everything in that moment and so i don't know what your season looks like right now i know for some of you I know the loss that's happened this year. I know the loss that's happened 10 years and you still feel it. I know the brokenness of relationships and family. I I know all of that. So during today, at least today, I want you to get this picture of a hope that we have. A hope that we have because God has come near to us. In Romans 15, 13, Paul, who goes through all kinds of different things, persecution and beating and trial and he's in prison, he says this. This is his prayer for a group of people in Rome. He says this, may the God of hope, it's like a name he gives to him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Not that you would just have a little bit of hope, but you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God's spirit would be so real that you would have so much hope that it would overflow. And you again may say that does not define me or describe me, but my hope is that that could happen now. A writer of a book of a, in the Bible called Hebrews said this, that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love this idea of this picture of the anchor being the hope for our soul, our hope being secured in this anchor. The anchor was this early church symbol, actually, on tombstones as Christians started to, to, to come into the picture. As Jesus leaves after being crucified, the anchor was important to them. It was a sign of the hope that they had. And if you've ever been on a boat, you know the importance of an anchor. The truth is, it doesn't matter if you have an anchor, that the storms can still come up. Right, that the boat can still get battered by the waves and the wind, and it may even get a little damaged, but it will remain secure. The waves may batter and beat it up, but it will not be moved as long as it is secure to something. It is hard pressed, but not destroyed. But the important thing is, is that the anchor is set before the storms come up. Right? It is hard to set an anchor in the midst of a storm. Right? So in the importance of, of this season, maybe you're already in the storm, and I'm not saying it's too late to set that anchor, but, but maybe for some of us, you would think, man, things are pretty good right now. Things may get difficult. You're, you're a report away or a phone call away from just something maybe unsettling you. And so what if we could secure our anchor before the storm comes? that maybe we could find hope in something. The lyrics of the, the Christmas song, Oh Holy Night, I love the, the lyrics. It says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. See, there were people who were waiting on Jesus. They were waiting on the Messiah who would come in the midst of their, their turmoil and, and difficult days and that he would come and rescue them and save them. And then it happens. And so this weary world, this, this tired, burned out, the feeling of being unknown, 
seeking for meaning 2,000 years ago. In this weary world, there is this thrill of hope that comes, and it's still coming today. And so God breaks into our weary world and is still breaking in. It didn't just happen one time. He is still breaking into your weary world, into my weary world. And so the difficult thing is we don't often know how to escape our weary world. We will look for a lot of different things to give us hope, whether it's stuff or people or circumstances or situations, and we are unable to get ourselves out. We need someone to come and to rescue us. And so the thing that I know about an anchor is that every anchor to work needs a rope. Without a rope connected to the anchor, it is pointless. A pastor named Levi Lusco, he pastors up in Montana several years ago. His daughter died of an asthma attack on Christmas Eve. And he wrote a book, Through the Eyes of a Lion. If you've ever dealt with grief, if you've ever lost someone, uh, it is a tremendous book. But he talks about how our hope has a rope. Our hope has a rope that is connected to God. And I have said that before in, in somewhat passing, but you have to understand it doesn't matter if God is the anchor. If we're not connected to that anchor, it will not supply what we need. It will not give us the security of hope that we desire because we are not connected to him. It's great that he's an anchor, but if we are not connected to that anchor, it is pointless. Uh, we rented boats in Tennessee this summer and we got on the boat and the first thing they said was there's no anchor on the boat. Okay, um, so what are we supposed to do? Well, you can't tie up anywhere. You just have to float around. There's no anchor on the boat. And I said, why is there no anchor on the boat? And they said that people were throwing the anchor overboard, but not securing the rope, <laughs> right? So you throw the anchor and the rope disappears. The rope has got to be connected to serve its purpose. And so today we're going to look at this idea of having this rope that is connected to something, to someone, to God who intervenes on our behalf. John 14, 15 says, all this I've spoken, this is Jesus, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, Jesus says, I'm leaving, um, but the hope I have brought is not leaving with me. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will be near to you and to be with you. And so I was thinking about this this week as we think about uh, Christmas and Easter. Uh, there, Christmas is a great story, uh, but without Easter, that's all it is. right? We, we have to have the, the Christmas story of Jesus uh, entering into our world as God breaking into our weary world. But we also have Easter the book into Jesus's life that does something for us as he goes to a cross and he pays a price for us. This is what ultimately gives us hope. And as Jesus uh, comes back from the grave and he enters into his place next to God the Father, we are not alone once again, but we are connected to him through the Holy Spirit. This is our rope. But what I know about this is we have to keep the rope Tight. So even if we are connected, so Alan's going to sit there and just hold the rope, right? And so this is what I know. For the anchor to work and for us to feel good with, with God, it is good to be tight, right? It is good because I can feel something on the other end of this rope. But often what happens in our lives is we live like this. Right? There's no tension. I can't feel anything on the end of this rope. And then something happens, right? Something is difficult and I, I look for something, right? 
and I'm trying to figure out, I haven't felt God, I don't sense God, where is God? And the problem is, is because the connection to God has become loose. Maybe we haven't paid attention to it, maybe we haven't needed it, but I want to give us just a few ideas of how we can continue to keep this tight. The first one, if you want to take notes and write these down, it is to remember that God is nearer than it seems. That God is nearer than it seems. Mark 1.15 will be on the screen. I didn't say this earlier, but if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one. There should be one around you somewhere, a red uh, hardback Bible. That page number is for that Bible. So if you want that, please take it. But Mark 1.15 says, the time has come. This is Jesus. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Once again, it is Jesus saying, look, I know you have thought the kingdom of God or that God was out there somewhere. Right? We think God is up there. And Jesus is saying, look, the time has come. The time is now. The kingdom of God is near. It is like you could almost press into it and feel it. And the reason that it is near is because of Jesus' presence. The kingdom of God is not out there. The kingdom of heaven is not out there. It has come near. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. Change the way you think about things, which will ultimately change your life. But we have to remember that God is nearer than it seems. And so in those moments when it feels like it's loose, how do we remain tight? Well, we remember that God is near to us. When you wonder and you don't know, you just remember God is near. And the reason we know that is because the scriptures, because Jesus tells us that. And we see that as truth. See, there is no wireless anchors. There, there is no way to just sense God's presence if we aren't paying attention to God's presence in our life. And so we hold tightly to that. So in the midst of our grief and our pain, God is not absent. And so I lean in and I remember that God is near to me. The other thing is not only is he near, but God is aware. In Luke 15, there's these stories about things that are lost and found. Jesus is talking about the importance of people who are far from God. And how they are dearly loved. And he tells these stories of a coin. He, he, he uh, tells the story of a, of a young man and a lost sheep. And he tells each time one of these things are found, it says that in heaven there is great rejoicing. There is a party that takes place in heaven when lost is found. So God is aware. The angels of heaven are aware of what is taking place in our presence, in our world. We are not alone. When you feel like you are alone, we grab onto the hope that we have, the anchor that we have that reminds us that God is near to us. The second thing we have to do is we have to speak truth to our heart. We have to speak truth to our heart. When we feel like the rope is losing its tension and we are no longer connected to God, we have to speak words that encourage us. We know the power of our words. Uh, we have said things to people in the moment where we know it hurt them. Right? The, the, the scriptures say the, power has, the tongue has the power of life or death. And so we maybe speak words that hurt other people, but words have been spoken to us as well that are hurtful. But we also speak words that hurt ourselves. We, we tell ourselves certain things that don't bring us life. And so I think you have to begin to speak words of life to yourself. That maybe you need to even speak those out loud. You need to audibly say things to yourself to encourage you. Not in a self-help way, but in a reminder of how God sees you. 
right? And if you do say it out loud, just be, people might think you're crazy. And so watch where you, uh, you say things out loud. The other day I spoke to someone um, who I thought was talking to me and then they turned and they had their little AirPods on. He's like, I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, right? So you may say things out loud and people may think you're crazy, but if you want to remain tightly connected to God, you, you have to remind yourself what God says about you. But because I know this for a fact, because I see it in my own life, there are always these voices that speak to us, right? And the voice of the enemy that wants to say things to you, and when you begin to believe those, the, the rope that you have, the tension in your rope begins to be loose. And you begin to wonder, well, how does God look at me? And does God even care about what I'm going through? Right? The voice of the enemy says, you're alone in this. There is no hope for what you're going through right now. John 8, 44, Jesus says this, speaking about the enemy. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The, the enemy of God will lie to you. And I don't know why this is, but we believe those lies more than we believe the truth of God. Right? We believe those lies and it determines what we think about ourselves. John 10.10 10 is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come to give life more abundantly. But in that scripture, he talks about himself as the good shepherd before that. John 10, one through four, listen to this. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus is the good shepherd and he say, I know your name. I call you by name. You are important and you matter to me. And then he says, the shepherd, the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. Do we recognize the voice of God when he speaks to us and he encourages us and he uplifts us? Do we hear that voice or do we only hear the voice of the enemy, the one who lies about who we are? See, God's voice brings assurance, not doubt. It brings courage and not fear. It brings comfort and peace and not chaos. But again, we believe the lies. We begin to believe the lie that I'm not good enough, right? That I'm not, I'm not good enough. There's no way that God could forgive me. And so we live in this world of this rope with no tension. I have conversations with a lot of people and they would come to me and, and they say something like, I just don't know if I'm gonna go to heaven when I die. I, I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to get in. And what they're saying if they, if they came out and said it is, I've just done too many wrong things, right? My wrong things and my good things just are out of balance. The bad things I've done are just too great. Is there any way that God would let me into heaven? Right, and so maybe that's you. Maybe you have struggled and you've wondered, you screw up and you think, man, is God gonna let me in? And the voice of the enemy will say, there's no way, not you. Everyone else maybe, but just not, not you. You've done too many bad things. And so what I'll often say to people is if you could get yourself to the place where you were good enough, you wouldn't need God. Right? You become your own savior where I don't ever mess up and I don't need someone to intervene on my behalf. I'll just get to heaven on my own. Right? But the truth is that we will never be good enough. We will never earn our way, but we get this tension on our rope where we say God's grace is what gets us in. 
It's God's love, it's grace alone, by faith alone that keeps the tension on the rope. And so when I screw up, when I mess up, when I think about my past and I begin to believe this lie that I'll never get in, I hold tight to this rope that says, only by God's grace, only by God's grace will I get in. It says we won't often let go of our past, Right? So along that line, we know what we've done. We know what we've done that no one else knows that we've done. We know how bad our history has been. And so we hold on to those things and our past begins to define our future. And this is why I want you to hear me say that you can't move into all that God has for you when you continually live in the mistakes of your past. You will never experience everything God has for you if you're always looking back into the mistakes that you've made. We, we let those things go. We hold tightly to a rope that says, I'm connected to a God who sees me and knows me completely, and yet he still loves me. And it's by his grace that I'm connected to him. There's all kinds of lies that we believe, that we're a bad parent, that our marriage will never get better, that we'll just give in to certain things and it doesn't really matter. I spoke with a, a guy I mentor. He's a young adult, not a part of Trinity that I've been mentoring for a little while. Solid young guy, doing unbelievable things. And we sat at lunch this week and he just began to share all these doubts he had about his call in his life. Things have been difficult and he's not sure what to do. And so he would make these statements. And so my response to him every time is, is that true? Is it true? He'd say, no, it's not true. I was like, well, you're believing something that is not true about you. And it got to the point of, well, how does God see you, right? And so for this young man, he, I think right now, just because of the stresses of his life, he's living with less tension than he should be. And so he can't feel what God is saying to him. And so I reminded him when Jesus was baptized, he goes into the water and there's these words that are spoken over him, that God speaks to Jesus. And maybe you don't know this, but he says, the, 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 the father says, here is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Oh, here is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And here's the truth. Jesus really hadn't done anything yet. Like we don't know any of the miracles. We don't know what his life looked like, but he hadn't started like healing people. He hadn't done any of that yet. And God sees him and says, I love him because he's my son. That's it. And I think what God says about Jesus, he says about you too. He says, that's my daughter. That's my son. And I'm pleased with him. I love him. And so when we're reminded of that, man, we hold tight to this rope that has tension to the one who dearly loves us. But when we begin to leave the, believe the lies that I'm not good enough, there's no way God would use me, right? That I'm a bad friend, I'm a bad, I can't live up to everyone else. We compare ourselves to people. We don't live into what God wants for us. I've realized lately in my own life, I often um, turn down opportunities uh, because I don't think I'm good enough. And, and the reason I don't think I'm good enough is because I compare myself to other people. And I'll compare myself, whether it's a speaking opportunity or somewhere to, to lead a training, I always find out who else is there. Right? Who am I going to follow? Who, who's coming after me? Uh, and so I'll find out and I'll make up excuses why I can't go. And in all of that, I'm living into this idea, this lie that maybe I'm not good enough. And it's in those moments I've lost the tension in my hope and in my rope that God says, no, I've called you to something. I've prepared you and, and I will use you. And so we, we lose that because we have lost sight of the truth of what God says about us. So you have to begin to speak truth to yourself. 
I know some friends who write things, right? They have these 10 points about what God says about them. And every morning, they'll just read them to themselves, right? And you can look in the scriptures. You can do a search. You can see what God says about you, that you are his beloved, right? And so you begin to speak those words to yourselves and you begin to push away the lies that the enemy would want you to believe. Now, in those moments of things being difficult, the third thing you have to do is you have to allow others to help hold your rope. When things are really, really hard, sometimes the most beneficial thing that can happen is someone else help you. And so I'm gonna use Michael just for a second. So there might be times in my life when things are difficult. And so I might just need someone else who just helps me hold the rope, right? Because I'm losing faith and I don't know what's gonna happen. And so maybe there's times where I throw my hands up, but Michael is helping me by holding the rope for me, right? And so we don't lose hope because there's people around us who says, don't lose hope. Right? We lose someone, we grieve, and people come around, uh, around us and say, it's going to be okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And so sometimes when the rope loses tension, it's because we're doing life on our own. And we think, man, I can't tell people what I'm going through. I can't be honest about our loss. I can't be honest about what's going on. I, I'm going to hold it and I'll figure it out. And it's in those moments when our rope is loose that we might just need some people who will help us hold the rope and get us through a difficult time. Man, there's some mornings when I come in, just to be honest, there's some mornings when I come in and we sing together and we sing some of these lyrics where I'm like, that's hard for me to sing right now. But when I can't sing, you sing for me. When I stand on the front row and I'm having a hard time and I hear your voices behind me, you are singing for me. You are holding my rope in those moments. And so the idea that you have to come into this place, having everything figured out means that you're not holding very tight to a rope. And so maybe you need to take that rope and you need to just ask someone else to help hold it for a while. There was a paralyzed guy who uh, obviously couldn't make his way to Jesus, but he had some friends, right? He has some friends. I'm not going to share the whole story, but in Luke 5, these guys tear, literally tear the roof off of a house to get his friend to Jesus. This guy probably had lost all hope. He probably told these guys it's pointless. And they said, we're getting you there. They were carrying this guy's rope for him. And maybe that's what you need right now. The purpose of the church is not to beat people up or tell people where they're wrong. The purpose of the church is to help carry one another's rope and to make sure we're closely connected to God and that we'll find our hope. The anchor of our soul sometimes is hard to find when we're going through difficult things. And maybe we just need someone else to say, hey, here's the rope that's connected to our hope and I'll carry it with you. And then the fourth thing, and this isn't the most encouraging, but you just got to hold on sometimes. I mean, literally sometimes you just tie a, no, a knot at the end of your rope when you don't know what else to do and you just hold on. Faith is not what we see, right? The, the faith we have in God is not always able to be seen, but it is what we believe and it is what we hold tight to. And so I know it's hard. I know you're grieving, you've had loss, you're lonely, you're hopeless. And my encouragement to you today is don't lose hope. To, to hold on tightly to this rope, to figure out how you can get this rope as tightly as you can, where you can feel God's presence in your life. I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, there's a guy in Florida that was paragliding uh, in Switzerland. And um, there, there's a picture and... Um, that's not supposed to be how it works, if you didn't know. Um, when he took off, the pilot of the paraglider forgot to hook him on 
to it, right? And so he is secured, the pilot is secured, and the other guy is holding on. 4,000 feet above the ground, and for two and a half minutes, this guy holds on. You can watch the video, and you see him adjusting the whole time, and you see him losing grip and re-grabbing onto his leg, and the other guy is holding onto him. And when he got down and they interviewed him, uh, he, he let go at the very bottom, he shattered his wrist, and he talked about how he just couldn't let go. Right? In his mind, when he looked down and he thought, I'm gonna die, the thing he just kept saying is, I just can't let go. I just can't let go. And so for him, he just had to hold on. You know, that was his only choice in that moment. And so for some of us in these moments, the only choice is to hold on, to hold on to the truth that God is with us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. That is this prayer that God would come and be with us, that we'll find our hope, that God will be near to us in times that are difficult. And so we'll keep a tight hold on the rope. Listen to this scripture found in Psalm 91. It says this, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Eugene Peterson, who I was just talking about in the message, it says this, if you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if only you'll get to know and trust me. So there are these times where we hold on and we don't let go. I want to read a quote to you by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Greg will come up um, in just a moment. But uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a pastor and, uh, in Germany and was really kind of working against the Nazis and uh, was arrested and actually executed uh, because they had thought he was a part of the plot of, of killing Hitler. And so at the age of 39, Bonhoeffer is put to, uh, to death, but an unbelievable man of God and in his writings and what he stood for. And if you can just imagine what his life may have looked like, uh, I want to end with this quote out of his book, God is in the manger. It says this, look up, you whose gaze is fixed on this earth, who are spellbound by the little events and changes on the face of the earth. Look up to these words, you who have turned away from heaven, disappointed. Look up, you whose eyes are heavy with tears, who are heavy and who are crying over the fact that the earth has gracelessly torn us away. Look up, you who burden with guilt cannot lift your eyes. Look up, your redemption is drawing near. Something different from what you see daily will happen. Just be aware, be watchful. Wait just another short moment. Wait and something quite new will break in over you. God will come. So as Greg comes up, again, I don't know what your season looks like, but as I read this quote, a friend of mine posted this yesterday, and as I read this quote, this idea of just looking up, of believing that God is going to be with us in the midst of our trials, that we have hope because of who God is, that our hope is an anchor for the soul, but we must remain tightly connected to the one who gives us hope. If you're losing tension and you haven't felt God, what would it look like? to remember that he's near, to speak words of life to, your, to yourself, to allow others to hold your rope, and then you just hold on and you believe that God will be with you through your troubles. Would you stand with us as I pray? We'll sing. God, I'm so thankful as we think about this idea that you are right here, right now with us. 
God, I'm so thankful that everything changed on that night when you entered into our world, when you took on flesh and you entered into our weary world. God, I know that you are still with us as your spirit is with us. I pray for my friends today who this season is going to be difficult. I know it's going to be hard because of loss and pain and turmoil and brokenness. And so in those moments, Lord, I pray that they would hold tightly to you, that they would stay closely connected. I pray as a church, we would be the kind of people who welcome others here. And not only welcome, but we hold the ropes of those who can't hold it on their own. God, would you help us to be those kind of people? And then, Lord, when we feel like letting go, would you, would you help us? Not that our load will become lighter, but I know by your strength and your grace, you will get us through it. Would you help us? Would you help us today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.